Brian, I'm gonna be honest with you, that smells like pure gasoline. They've done studies, you know. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. You are now listening to the Enter VR podcast. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. And today I'm joined by the legendary Chris Matson, Deep Rifter. How could you not know this name? This man is now currently working on some immersive, immersive education um, projects that I'm really excited to speak about. But uh, first of all, welcome. Welcome, Deep Rifter. I'm so excited. Oh, my brother, Chris. It's great to be on the show, man. And uh, I'm ready to talk about VR, man. This is exciting. Yes, yes, it is. Okay, let's let's walk through um, sort of your journey. How did you get bit by the VR bug? How long does this love affair with virtual reality go, if I dare so call it? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I've always had like this fascination with states of consciousness and VR itself. I actually, crazy enough, um, I remember, let's see, I'm, I'm dating myself here, uh, 19... 1980 um, is when I really had this first concept of what VR was. Uh, I was reading some science fiction books, and I actually remember I was out on the sixth grade playground, and I remember, I really do remember contemplating virtual reality at that time and wondering if this was something that was ever going to actually be a reality. I mean, am I ever going to see this in my lifetime? And I've been following a bit here and there over the course of my lifespan. And it was, you know, of course, uh, Palmer and the DK1 uh, following that Kickstarter. So I was a, uh, honestly a DK1 adopter. And uh, I remember waiting, waiting patiently for my headset to arrive. And I put that baby on and it blew my mind. I was like, oh, my God, this is what we've been waiting for. It's not perfect right now, but boy, could I see the potential of what I was experiencing in that first demo that I did. And uh, it was so powerful. And it, it was shortly after I did the first demo that I tried Rift Max Theater. And for those old schoolers that know, that was the first social VR platform that was put out way back in the day on the DK1 by Mike Armstrong. And uh, I remember logging into that, and I was in this uh, hallway in a theater and there was this avatar standing in front of me, and he approached me. And I took a couple steps backwards because he was invading my personal space bubble. And I just burst out laughing because I'm like, oh, my God, here we are. I This was so real to my brain that I actually stepped backwards. What does this mean? What does this mean for society? What does this mean for the way we're going to work and play and socialize and create I knew it was a big deal, and I knew that this had the potential of changing all aspects uh, of everything in our lives. And uh, I took the headset off, and I remember telling my wife that my uh, career, of, my career of twenty years, was about to change, and I was going to go all in in VR because I saw the potential here. And that was my introduction into virtual reality. Wow! So okay, so walk me through again. So, like, so how did you? get a hold of the dk1 and one thing i want to note is that you were one of the earliest earliest people i remember interacting on the r oculus subreddit in the early days oh yeah. right 
I remember I remember seeing your username a lot and it was like yeah you're super active and just like spreading positivity and like just talking and engaging with the people it was really really dope to seeing you out there so um yeah like and and so at that point um <laughs> when you got bit by the by the DK1 bug like like how did the people around you react like how, how was it back in early 2013 <laughs> trying to get people um on board with VR. Was it easier than now? Or what, what do you think? I was a crazy madman. Are you kidding me? People are like, what are you talking about? I mean, you know, I was gushing about it all the time. Um, my family was like concerned maybe a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is this new technology? What are you talking about? But of course, once you put people in the headset, then they kind of got what you were talking about, you know, more so now than then, uh, because the headsets are so much more capable now. But, uh, yeah, I think people uh, were puzzled by it. Uh, they didn't quite make mo- – many people saw the vision, but many people didn't either. And uh, so they were puzzled. Lots of questions. Yeah. Where – okay, so let me go straight to it. Where did you – where do you envision VR going? You know what? Let's let's what's um, uh, because because one thing that you, that stood out for me when what you said it was like um you were in sixth grade, and uh-huh. these books had science fiction books had inspired you, um and you were thinking about VR and I was like well what vision did youth have as a six year old and and how did that evolve as you became an adult and had had to had had first contact with like DK one style VR like I wonder yeah. how did that how and yeah what was what was your vision then and even before yeah. we talk about your vision now cuz i'm really interested but yeah. so the fa- yeah so the fascination for me was you know this ability to teleport your consciousness to a place that your brain interprets as real because we know that one if we're doing this via di- digitally then there's no boundaries. It's like this unlimited space that you can create in and explore. And once you have no limits, you know, we're not bound by the laws of physics. We're not bound by geophysical location. Once you eliminate those barriers, anything is possible. I mean, it's an in, it's, it's a space of infinite opportunity. And, you know, honestly, I, I really didn't give it a lot of thought that we could share those digital spaces back then. I was just intrigued simply by the fact that we could actually teleport our consciousness to this place that seemed real to our brain. Uh, Adding the fact that we could do this with other people socially really took things to a new level. So where is VR going to take us? You know, again, it's being able to have unlimited opportunities in shared digital spaces. So that's going to impact the way we learn and socialize and play and and all of these things. It's going to affect every enterprise. You know, we've got the web now that's uh, going to be allow us to have virtual reality experiences and now we've got ar2 and these blended realities i mean i just envision our grandkids at some point saying to us grandpa how did you manage in with just one reality i mean it's it's uh wow sky's the limit uh, and and I can't even say what things are going to look like 20 years from now because if you even wind back the clock 20 years back uh I wouldn't have imagined that things would be like this now. And so I can't imagine what 20 years from now is going to look like. I, I imagine uh, 
uh, glasses that you can easily just pick up and throw on. You know, just the ease of use is going to be incredibly easy and that we can just choose when we're in a virtual space, when we're not, when we're augmenting our reality. We have choice in that. And uh, again, it's that shared, the shared nature of these digital spaces that is now so intriguing to me. Yeah, and how it's so, um, it's, uh, it's uh, I feel like it's creating new tools for language to be, you know, used. Like, I think um, when, when people design, like, um, like a VR chat world, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're communicating a lot by what skybox you're using or what what right. uh, what particles you want to implement. What sort of like and yeah and and just and just so so many elements in there like make up like um uh what kind of experience people are gonna have. I was I was having this like really interesting experience with a friend where I was like um um. I was at the treehouse by the, sh- I think treehouse by the shade in VR chat, and that that one avatar world has a really like uh, emotional music playing in the background, mm-hmm. and like everything you say becomes a little bit more intense, more emotional. It's kind of like a soap opera in there, right? And it's yeah, and it's like subconsciously, this is a this is this is changing me, and it's and it, and it's all being done inside this headset that i'm wearing you know it's 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 really interesting like how it's like um how environments really do shape uh how we think it's crazy (laughs) right i mean we've already kind of moved uh we're moving from words now to pictures images uh, to communicate things on our social media and vr is even taking that to a, a higher level where the entire environment is now reflective of your thoughts and your passions and and your interests you know i mean uh Terrence McKenna, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Terrence McKenna, and what he was saying, you know, we're, we're reaching a point in virtual reality where true intimacy means come to my world, see my dreams, my hopes, my dreams, you know, where kids by the age of 12 will have effectively built spaces the size of Manhattan that are reflecting their views and values. I mean, what an intimate, <laughs> what an intimate way to communicate, you know, through virtual reality. It's just it's awesome. I mean, and it, it's becoming so easy. I mean, I was on the Engage platform even today and, uh, you know, showing some people how that works. And it was just so effortless to reach into my virtual pad and pull out animals and pull out special effects where I could just start drawing things in the air and access a video right there. And you're not limited to just one screen. You can have a giant screen or multiple screens and you're pulling up your favorite music and I'm pulling out these lasers that leave tracers in the air and summoning a tornado and throwing cows in it and watching the cows whirl around. It's just, the it's instant creativity and it's, uh, it's so powerful, so fun. And uh, I find myself just having these incredibly bonding experiences with people. It's like, you know, in VR, because you're sharing experiences, it's almost like that whole brothers in arms thing. You guys, when you're sharing experiences with human beings, um, it goes beyond just having a, you know, a Skype call face to face. You're sharing experiences and that is a huge has a huge impact on on the levels in which we bond with each other. You know, when we're in immersive games together, we're going through these crazy trials together, and because they feel so real to our brain, it's a, it's that brothers in arms scenario. You know, where you're forming these incredible bonds through these experiences. 
Yeah, speaking of brothers in arms, giving people literal hugs in VR, yeah. I bet like one day I hope there will be like a comparative study where the where they're um, where people get real hugs in real life and then they get hugs in virtual reality and measuring people's dopamine levels and seeing if there's a placebo effect or not. I think that there's something there, like people getting virtual reality head pats and hugs, like yeah. it's you feel something. It's it's not a hundred percent, but there's something there. And it's hard there to is, explain. I will confess, Chris, I have in VR chat, for example, I have gone in with my avatar being the cutest kitten you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and getting that attention and getting those pats on the head, it is a dopamine. It's so fun, so awesome, and it just feels so good, right? It's just people sharing love and sharing joy. Yeah, yeah, man, and it's it's so interesting that we can access that and more and more people are going to have access to that as time goes on is virtual reality and let me ask you this the final medium as michael abrish has once famously said and what do you interpret as that meaning you know it's hard is it the final it's the it, I, I agree that it's the final medium as far as my limited vision can show me because <laughs> i can't imagine something more than that i mean obviously the uh, the way the the means in which we get into these virtual spaces is going to improve and improve over time um it, it's a final medium i think it's the final medium because again Where's the bounds? There is no bounds. We we don't have the restrictions in the virtual world. We can we can do anything. Uh, you know, it's it's all spatial. It's spatial computing. That that is the I think the final frontier is at, with my limited you know knowledge and and, and, and view into the future. Unless uh, I can't imagine anything else that can come beyond that. You know, sky's the limit. Yeah, I'm all. I'm crazy, as you already know. So I'm going to tell you that I think we're going to upload our consciousness into into like virtual worlds. And it's going to be via some Neuralink interface that's like 30, 40, maybe 50 years down the line. And maybe we'll become immortals in virtual reality or copies of ourselves will become immortals in virtual reality. And I don't know. I don't know what that means. But like uh, I've, I read this book. Um, I didn't read it. I listened to it via audiobook because I'm lazy and it's an awesome way to experience books. Uh, it's um it's called um we are bob we are legion um it's it's uh it's a pretty good book it's entertaining but it it talks about like yeah how um people a person can end up being sort of a replicant a copy of himself of his past consciousness inside of a, of a machine and being able to replicate multiple copies of that consciousness over and over and over again ah. i wonder what um yeah do you think that that's ever ever even a possibility um considering how crazy kooky reality we're already in uh, it, it's hard to predict the future but but uh, to me that that's what it seems like when when they when we talk about the final medium oh the final medium i mean that's where consciousness is going to end up because past that i mean where else do you go <laughs> well if you told me how uh, you know 20 years ago how dependent i was going to be on this device we now call the smartphone cell phone i would have thought you were crazy i mean we are cyborgs right now uh granted we don't have that implanted into our biological body yet but we are cyborgs i mean we depend on that device for so much and um i'm so intrigued you know as when AI comes into the scene, you know, what kind of interaction are we going to have with AI 
with AI in virtual reality. Um, I imagine that at some point, you know, we're going to have experiences in virtual reality that are created by AIs that know us better than maybe we know ourselves and can cater the experiences to us. I'm very intrigued by that. I'm I'm intrigued by AI assistants who are going to know us more intimately than anybody else knows us. And again, they might even know us better than we know ourselves. I think that's entirely possible, you know, and, and how is that going to look as we get our AI companions <laughs> that are doing things for us and freeing us up, to, you know, freeing us from these mundane tasks so that we can be creators and, and, and do the things we've always dreamed of doing because we're not held down doing these mundane tasks that these AI assistants can do for us. Yeah. And, and yeah, we're becoming symbiotic <laughs> little by little without knowing it. And and it's interesting how it's um, how I, I used to say this thing where like um, and it's not something I came up with. I, I got it from someone and I can't remember. I feel bad. But but if someone uh, can 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 mention it in the comments or something, let me know his name. Uh, well, he said something like um, the future is here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what's happening with virtual reality. Like a lot of us are already living in the future. People who have like wireless full body tracking Vive Pro uh, yeah. ha- like setups. These people are living in the fucking future right now. <laughs> they are. And I'm so jealous and it's awesome. And I like, can't wait for everyone to be on that hype train, you know, because that's that is, you know, the I think the 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 minimum bar VR needs to cross for it to become mainstream, really, where right. people have full embodiment and you know gesture, some sort of like facial rec- gesture recognition in, in, in integrated. I'm not sure how that would work out, but there's companies working on it. I've seen them, and I just think that that's you know that's um that's uh an interesting uh look at like the reality of the vr industry today when when people ask you about like the current state of vr like what what do you say the current state of vr right now um i think we've crossed that tipping point i think it is good in its current state. Um, I think it's very passable in its current state. I, I think we're past that tipping point. Uh, DK1 wasn't there. DK2 wasn't quite there. CV1, I feel, is acceptable VR. Uh, the, the Vive is acceptable VR. I think we're pretty much there. And it, you, you brought up an interesting point, Chris, that we are like any uh, a early adopter right now. I, I would consider anybody with a headset right now, I would consider a VR pioneer today. Uh, we are all living in the future, and there's so much that's happening around the world right now that is not accessible to the public that's possible right now. Uh, it's just that we haven't made it friction-free yet, uh, but so much is possible. For example, um, you know, um, SVVR, Silicon Virtual, Real- uh, Virtual Reality, uh, they've got this project going on, that metaverse portal, right? And mm-hmm. what they do is they set up this portal at a real-life event. And you can go in, put on a virtual reality headset, go into high fidelity, go into a special room, and and there's a portal in this virtual reality room that you can look out of at the live event. And the people at the live event can look through that portal at you 
as your avatar and you can interact with those live people on the other side. But what is also possible right now that isn't really mainstream yet, but and there's so much friction involved, but what is possible is we should be able to step through that portal into the real world. I mean, if you've got sensors set up in your real world and you're all using devices, there's no reason why you can't come join me in my office right now, Chris, if I've got the proper sensors that are scanning my environment and you've got a headset on and that data is getting fed to you and I've got a headset on that can see your avatar, there's no reason why you can't step into my room right now. And I know that they're doing some of this even with the Magic Leap right now, you know, some of their projects that they've got going on. Uh, I believe one company called Spatial is allowing for us to step into each other's real world environments and interact and collaborate together. That's some cool stuff, man. We're teleporting ourselves to people's real environments. How cool is that? Yeah. And is this more like a an and like do you see like this being like a, an an enterprise sort of application or are they going to try to figure out how to get it into malls or retail outlets so that like, you know, consumers start figuring out ways to like, you know, bring them inside the Next generation, I, I see it as enterprise. I see, I see it yeah. as enterprise. I see it as social. I see it, you know, as medical. Maybe we're teleporting ourselves into the doctor's office for consultation, mm. uh, therapy. I mean, the, there's so many applications for that, right? Yeah, I've tried the SVVR portal at High Fidelity, and I've been on both sides, and it's 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 really interesting. <laughs> it's super. It's like, yeah, you're like it is. It is a portal into another reality. Like, it's just, huh. Yeah, it is another portal. Huh. Why did it take me so long to figure that out? <laughs> it's a portal. It's a window, right? Between yeah. realities. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes. It's pretty cool. And I'll tell you, and, and you know, what? I was in The Wave uh, the other day, which for those that don't know, The Wave is a uh, multi-user social platform in which DJs can come and do live music. Uh, in all kinds of awesome environments, and they control what the environments are. It's a very psychedelic experience, and it's very social. And uh, it was so cool. I was in there the other day uh, watching a Mike the Squid uh, was putting on the the tunes, and uh, one of his he he likes to use these photogrammetry environments and whatnot, right? So he's bringing in these photogrammetry environments of real world spaces. So like we're in these actual clubs that physically exist in san francisco and he's bringing these environments in and and we're all in there dancing in these real world clubs and and uh uh, we were talking about how cool would it be for him to go to that actual club with his headset and mix the music in that club while we're also in the club and real people are in the club on his side and you could have that portal that looks into both worlds and and you could see the real world people in the real environment and us in the same environment that's been uh, digitally, digitally replicated dancing side by side with each other. I mean, how crazy is that? Yes, now we got to get some Tinder integration in there so that people start hooking up at these clubs. We that's that's, that's the that's the ultimate, you know. Um yeah, no, I'm to- I totally dig it. I'm I'm all for it. And dancing in VR is amazing. I'm going if if there was people ask me like, "So what do you what do you do in VR all day?" Like, "What do you do in VR?" I'm like, "I'm dancing." <laughs> I literally go to the Void Club or like Club Galaxy in VR chat and um or just our uh, club 
I can't illicit. I can't remember. But I do all these a bunch of clubs, and I just go like, yeah, I just go dancing as a, as a Pikachu or a uh, a anime cat girl or Fox McCloud. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. I'm just going there to have fun, and it's like super interesting because the interactions in there are always. Like I, I, I always like to say, it's like if you ever thought, if you ever get caught up in your own, in like a, some sort of thought loop where you, where you keep thinking certain things over and over and over again. Maybe mm-hmm. like you have a, a earworm, like a like a, a song stuck in your head or something. Go in VR chat, go in VR chat, and it'll like break that thought loop because just the the amount of novelty in there that people throw at you every day is 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 truly crazy. It's ex- it's and it's becoming, I think. Uh, I think it's going to become exponential uh, as more and more people find out. I mean, there's a shortage of vibes in Japan right now because I just heard this today. Yes, because of VR chat. This is the rumor anyway, right? That yeah. because of VR chat, there's a shortage of VR headsets. That's so cool. Yeah, because everybody wants to be a, uh, an anime avatar in VR chat. I mean, it, this is it's this is this is what the final medium looks like. You know, you know. Um, I, I think there's a, a measurement that you know that you're you're a seasoned VR user when you can step into VR chat and still be able to carry on a conversation with someone while you've got unicorns farting rainbows in the air flying by and these uh, hor- people riding horses, anime girls riding horses as they gallop through you. And you can just casually continue to carry on your conversation with the person in front of you. It's madness in there. And it's great madness. I love it. I love the creativity. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's hard to put into words. When, you, when people ask you, like, um, like um, have you ever, okay, so have you ever, have you encountered a category of person in your time as a VR enthusiast and advocate, like, that is just that it's just 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 won't break <laughs> you know like th- th- there's a maybe there's a certain pattern of personalities of people that just no matter how much you try to convince them that vr is awesome just 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 dismiss it altogether have you encountered anyone yes. that way yeah yes and it's very personal actually uh my father is one of those people oh. and it was puzzling and, and but here's the cool thing is i found out why he's like that um he's scared he is scared of, of this sense that he has. He feels that if he engages in VR, that somehow he's going to lose control. It freaks him out that his brain is accepting this as something real. And it's scary to him. Uh, now, I'm sure everybody has all their own reasons that, 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 that they're, they don't want to jump on the VR bandwagon. But in some cases, I think it is true that there's this fear of um, giving up some level of control. It seems like the newer generation of people, there's a newer generation type mentality of people that are willing to jump off certain cliffs that others are not, it seems like. Like well, privacy, mind, like some people yeah. really care about privacy, right? not so much. You know? Right, it's like, that's true. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you from my experience, the Minecraft generation is so wired for 3D. It's just like you put a headset on them and... Uh, they already know exactly what they're doing. It's like you don't even need to give them instructions. They just jump right in, both feet, and uh, they're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, 3D is – spatial computing is the future. There's no doubt. It's just a matter of, like, how and when and what shape it, it's going to take 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 place or take form as it's sort of just 
overcomes all our lives <laughs> yeah it's just yeah it's gonna be interesting what's your um and so and so let me ask you what is your favorite vr experience right now <laughs> right now ah man i always go back to the wave i think it's just fantastic yeah. um, you know, so I'm the kind of guy. Shout out so, to Aaron Lemke. Yeah, Aaron Lemke, man. I mean, wow. Oh God, uh, he's an amazing guy. He's done so much uh, in his VR lifetime. Um, you know, I'm the kind of guy that my list of of games is always changing because I'm always just trying the latest stuff, and I'll do it, and I'll, I'll maximize it, and I'll move on to something else. Um, I'll tell you one that I consistently go back to. Google Earth VR, man. Hmm. That is the best tool ever. So uh, what I love about that is because it really taps into your spatial memory. Um, I use it as a tool. Uh, like, for example, uh, my wife and I just went to Europe not long ago. And uh, there are some cities uh, that we've never been to, like Amsterdam, for example, where I, w- I knew where my hotel was. And I was able to use Google Earth VR and explore all of those streets around the hotel and get absolutely familiar with those spaces. Wow. And, and when we went there without a map, I was easily able to find my, my way around. My daughter just moved to Montana about a year and a half ago. I just a couple weeks ago went up to visit her in Montana, but before I went to visit her, and she lives in the woods, my friend. I mean, I'm talking multiple dirt roads to get to her trailer in the woods. And uh, I used VR to explore that entire area, and I told my wife, said, we're not going to use a map once we get in that general area, and I'm going to take us to her place. And it was effortless, dude. It was effortless. I'd already been there. I'd all, I mean, in my mind, I had already been there. How many That's hours? Amazing. How long did it take you for you to like memorize? I, I, I'm thirty I minutes. It. Really? Thirty Whoa. minutes. Whoa. Thirty minutes because you're able to you know see it from all perspectives and then you zoom down and yeah. just right to street level, dude. I was like, oh, there's that hill and oh, there's that little teeny parking lot by the lakeside and there's this sharp turn up here. It's like I just ran up and down that street multiple times and once you've done it a few times, it's locked in your memory because it's spatial. Doing it in a spatial way is just so much more easy to remember. I hope Google is someone at Google is listening to this because this is like literally the easily like a value add that you can put on some sort of marketing campaign. Like, hey, everybody, you know, Google Earth helps you remember places better or, you know, because this is and I speak from experience like I, I, I'm totally down. Like I'm going to start doing this because what I do is I look up an address for a place I have to go to that I don't know how to get there. And. And then I go to Google Street View to get an idea of what it looks like, the surroundings. But I'm always looking through this, like, stupid, dumb little window of my smartphone. And it's like I don't get a full <laughs> picture of what right. the surroundings are. But, like, with Google Earth God mode, dude, yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. 100%. And and it's so another, another way I use Google Earth, even I've lived here in Utah, just south of Salt Lake City, most of my life. I know this area very well. I'm a hiker, man. I'm out in the woods. I'm climbing mountains. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And Google Earth opened up things within 30 miles of my home 
that I just didn't know existed. I mean, how cool is that, that you can discover these things that are literally in your backyard? I was in Virginia just last week, and I took all my VR gear, and I put a guy through. I was staying at his house. I said, go find your house. And as he's looking for his house, he's like, oh, my God, I did not know that that pit, this huge, giant pit just over these woods existed. And it's a monster. He's like, I had no idea that was there. This is blowing my mind. Yeah, you're yes, dude. I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with this. This is like um this is like a a blog post someone should write. Like you should some this is this is really like really valuable information that people should know. <laughs> this is really dope. Um, and, and with that spatial memory, this is why this is one of the reasons why VR education I think is so awesome because yeah. you are learning spatially, man. It's something about those that that three D space that helps you remember things. I mean, I've done stuff in VR educational experiences that I will simply never forget. It's locked in as though it was a real experience. Yeah, I'm all, every time I think about um, sort of these uh, ways to learn in an immersive environment i think about like how detailed the assassin's creed's video game environments have been oh years, yeah right how amazing you learned so be. much <laughs> yes how amazing it would be to like license those out and like give people the ability to do some like do virtual reality tours or something and then like and do it peer to peer so that like live actors are giving tours inside those you know ancient cities Dude, and people yes. can rate them on some sort of app and the best per yes. performer is usually rate goes to the top and boom you got yourself a business come on Ubisoft Dude, live acting this is the future Chris and I don't know if you saw the recent Shenandoah University announcement we just partnered with them Immersive VR Education what they're bringing to the table They've specialized in live acting, role-playing training. And they've, you know, this has existed for decades. You know, these people that go out, uh, like, for a first responders training, and they've got the blood packs, and they're lying all over the ground, and you have to go and, and, and do your medical training with them. You know, this exists in the real-world space, but oh. it's it's expensive to run those simulations. Uh, there's the problem of geophysical location. You know, how do you take that acting team and fly them out to California and put on this big thing, right? So... Uh, at Shenandoah, they specialize in in you know live acting training, and now they're going to bring all of that into virtual reality. So companies can dial them up and say, "We need this training," and they're going to do it in the virtual environment. So now you can have like these, you know, like an earthquake has just happened. You can have the actual city that's been devastated by the earthquake because we can create any environment in VR effortlessly, pretty much uh, low cost. And we can provide that training to anybody in the world now with these live professional actors. Wow. Right? I like this a lot. This is yeah. a really good idea. Wow. How uh, how how is business? How are, are there any, are, are there any clients so far? What's uh, can it- this this was just announced? They just announced their new VR AR majors. Uh, they're actually uh, you can now go uh, go to school for VR and AR at Shenandoah University uh, for design for acting. They've even got an esports degree, if you can believe that. This is no joke. These guys are going all in for the future. Yeah, esports. I hear is a, a really big thing. I mean, people are becoming millionaires uh, doing esports. Totally. Um, just yeah, it's it's and it's a whole another world. But like, yeah, this is 
really interesting. I'm I'm super excited to hear that there's like energy going in this direction because I think it makes sense to involve live actors. Like, yes. How do you how do you train people to be a live actor in virtual reality? Is there some sort of special training that is involved here? Well, there, there's special training to be a live actor for uh, trainings anyway, right? There's a yeah. it's a specialty, um, and and from what I understand from JJ, uh, who runs the program over there, those will easily transfer over into these multi-user VR spaces. So it's the same, the same. I mean, obviously, there's going to be some training of how to embody an avatar properly. That does take some practice, as you know. I mean, you're a metaverse traveler yourself. Mm-hmm. It uh, we sometimes take it for granted because we've kind of grown up with it but there is going to be certainly a learning curve on how to um, embody your avatar and use that effectively and appropriately Uh, but as far as the actual training of what to do in these uh, virtual trainings there's going to be a lot of carryover from the real world space wow yeah improv actors that's man that's yeah that's gonna be great that's gonna be i hope yeah i hope more people man this is great Huh. If someone, let me ask you this. So if someone comes up to you and asks you, how do I get involved in the VR industry? You know, what, what sort of resources, what sort of direction do you point them in? Uh, well, I'm definitely uh, wanting them to do their research. And, of course, uh, you know, the, uh, the Oculus and, and Vive Reddit forums are a great place for people to tap into. Um, I highly suggest, you know, Twitter. Uh, following the appropriate people on Twitter is going to give you a fire hose of up-to-date information as things are happening. I mean, Twitter's the best place to live on the on the very, very cutting edge and, and keep a strong pulse on what's happening right at this moment in the VR space. Um, you know, joining the, the VR space uh, Facebook spaces, getting involved in these social media focus uh, focus spaces on VR and AR, I think are important. So doing your research. And what I like to tell people too is, you know, VR is applicable to just about everything. So it's taking what do you love to do? What are your interests? And see if VR might be able to amplify those interests or if you can do something unique and creative within your already existing interest um i think again sky's the limit right uh, we can we can apply vr to just about everything yeah what's one direction that you're like but don't go in that direction <laughs> i usually say hardware like dude if, if you're gonna get in vr be careful with it. i mean i'm not saying don't do hardware i'm just saying be careful with doing hardware because hardware is hard Hardware is hard, and you need a lot of freaking money. You better get some strong backing with hardware, right? I mean, I remember. Uh, I mean, even for us, like I was, we were messing around with like positional tracking back uh, when there was no uh, inside-out positional tracking uh, when we were using a Tango and a Gear VR and putting them together on a headset. Uh, one of my buddies, he's just a freaking genius, Will Bound. Uh, he helped develop that. And we actually had a fully working prototype. Tango was mounted on the back of the headset, so it was reading what was behind you spatially. And we were riding skateboards around in VR in parking garages. Like, it was insane, dude. And we wanted to move that all that hardware forward. And, and But it's hard, man. Unless you've got a lot of money behind you and get an investor up front and quick, hardware is a difficult space to play in. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about like um, perhaps some some lessons that you would tell yourself now. You know, you look back 
five years down the road and what what advice would you give yourself to Chris Madsen that I was about to jump into virtual reality what would you tell him what would you tell him now what would I tell myself now um I would say if you think it's something that you want to do be bold just go for it. Don't wait around. Don't don't let fear and apprehension, you know, hold you back. Jump in. Make connections very quickly. Um, you know, make friends in the VR space. Get to know the space, and just go for it. You know, maybe it's something that you're doing part time outside of your steady day job, right? But don't hold back. Just go for it. What do you have to lose, right? It's like if if you're passionate about it, just do it and make as many friends as you possibly can in the space. Yeah, I like I, I like the well. I'm starting to like the idea of like if you're gonna explore something, like uh, try it for a month. Try try you know if if it's um if it and if it's not your cup of tea, then yeah, it's not your thing. Maybe 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 VR isn't for everyone, you know. But you gotta find out by going in there and like hang out with people and visiting the spaces and yeah surround yourself surround yeah. yourself by people that are pushing the bounds i'll tell you what drives me crazy is you know uh, companies that i run into all the time that are trying to play in the vr space and they don't even use vr i see that quite a bit and it's like man oh okay so here's a here's a little bit of advice you know if you're playing in the vr if you're a developer Take time. And I know it's hard to take time. Developers are the hardest working group of people you'll ever meet. I mean, they got their nose to the grindstone. But you do have to take time to explore the existing applications and experiences and games that are out there because you're going to learn so much. Why reinvent the wheel? So much has already been done. I, I, I You know – Chris, you look back, you remember the DK1 days and early DK2 days. It was a ground of experimentation. There were the craziest demos that were being posted up on the boards that we would download and try, and we would learn so much. You know, like uh, some that come to mind is like Coffee Without Words, where you're the whole experience is you just sitting in front of this female avatar she's sipping coffee and her eyes are tracking you and she's like interacting with you and 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 that was one of the first demos that gave us a sense of presence and it explored the reasons how we were able to get a strong sense of presence with that so many of those early demos were were great lessons on how to apply certain techniques to achieve what you want to achieve in virtual worlds and i think in some ways we've kind of gotten away from from diving into some of these exploratory experiences so that we can learn and apply those to our own creations yeah what what, what is it is it the fact is it the is it the perception that there isn't money to be made there because you know people 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 know what's selling and it's games <laughs> you know uh, it's it's hard because like uh, it's hard because it's like um the VR industry is really sort of if there was a Venn diagram of like things that intersects gaming is is a big chunk of it you know mm-hmm. and it's like um and it's tough to like uh, be a developer and look at the at the at the audience at the chunk of the audience that is, because if I look at the VR 
audience as a whole, I see a spectrum, right? And on one side of the spectrum, you got the more casual, more pe- people who are m- more interested in social VR, perhaps. And then you got mm-hmm. like on the other end, you got the gamers, the esports people, the people who want to conquer and destroy. So, so you like, and so how do you cater to those audiences when you're trying to figure out, you know, how to survive in this? And so, and some people do it. Like some people, like um, like Res Infinite. Have you heard that of that one game? PS4? I love Res Infinite. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, that's, yeah. That's art. That's literal art. It is amazing. Yeah. You feel like a god at the end of that, don't you? Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And 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 they've and they've nailed it. But it seems like they're. It's not easy to do this. <laughs> you know? No, it's not. It's not, a, it's not the easiest path. So it seems like. People are like, well, first-person shooters seem to be the thing that like is 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 selling it, and so I don't know. Maybe the herd mentality catches on. I don't know. It's it's hard to step out of our old two D paradigms. I think in a lot of ways, you know, when you look at like, for example, that game uh, uh, from Charm Studios uh, called Form, it is such an awesome example of, of of a user experience where you're interacting with these puzzles in a in a three dimensional way, and and the haptics that are involved with that. They they just really nailed the pleasure of interacting with 3D objects. And I, I think, you know, games like that, experiences like that are things that we need to pay attention to uh, that teach us that we can expand beyond what we typically consider a user interface, which is often tied into all of our years of experiences with, with the, the 2D uh, uh, mindset. Yeah, I'm, I'm realizing something where like... Um I tend to fall into this um, sort of area where, like, um, I'm biased for the things that I've done in the past successfully, and so, like, uh, and so, like, I'll come into a new scenario where, like, all right, well, you know, I I used to do this in the past, and so I'm gonna apply it this time around, um, and yeah, if since it worked last time, you know, it, it why shouldn't it work this time? And so it seems like. Um, it it seems like yeah a, a lot of the VR industry is in that like is in that in that in that space where like okay you know it, the the top selling games of all time are like shooters <laughs> and right. and it's and it's worked in the past let's figure out how we can adapt that that hype and bring it over to VR the yeah that's the thing that's the thing about like um, early adopter communities they they can really like they really have. Uh, a big sway in the direction of an industry and i think yes yeah and yes I, and i think that's why like i don't know i think that's because why podcasts, they're so knowledgeable yes. they're so knowledgeable because they've had all these crazy hands-on experiences with uh with experiments right hands-on with all these crazy experiments so they've got this wide range of knowledge and i think now that uh, vr has progressed to a point where we're kind of moved in a lot of ways, it seems like we've moved out of some of the experimental phases, even though I think we should still be in the experimental uh, mindset. Um, people are coming into this just, I'm just going to make a game in VR. And, and they don't, re- they haven't really seen all those experiences that existed in those earlier days, uh, which can really be helpful. Well, Oculus Share isn't around, by the way, so it would be hard to figure out a way to... I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's good libraries out there, but yeah, I, I I've heard they took down Oculus Share, and that was <laughs> John Oaks was like, it was kind of like the burning of the library Alexandria, man. <laughs> Alexandria, yes, that's a great, great 
example yeah oh yeah uh well what are you gonna do so yeah like um the the question of how do companies balance that like this 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 the balance between figuring out how to reach the mass markets and catering to their early adopters like like you know are is oculus going in the right direction with quest or or do you go more the 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 Vive Pro HCC approach where they're going more well they're going more to enter enterprise they're not they're not really even aiming that much at like high end consumers at this point I think it might be even and I'm not even sure about Pimax I haven't tried Pimax I'm not really ah. sure where they stand so it's interesting where the state of PC VR looks like you know because I don't have too much I don't I I like HCC I want them to succeed but it's hard for me to like see a future 10 years down the line where HTC is the top, still the top dog. Right. So I don't know. Well, well, I'll tell you, ask, you know, are we going the right way with quest and all this? I, I really do. The wires do have to go, man. The wires have to go. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of it. Uh, nobody wants the wires, but I do. I, I don't like the idea of shying away from some of the cutting edge graphics and the raw processing power that the PCs deliver for us. Um, I, 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 so as much as I want the wires, I don't want to step away from pushing the graphics and the other features to the max, right? So it, it's a tough trade-off. I will say this, you know, I, I bought the Go when it first came out, and I do find myself using it quite a bit, even though I've got a Vive and a Rift ready to go downstairs, uh, just for the ease. If I'm out on my back porch, I'm just going to grab the Go and have some fun. Um, if I'm traveling, it's all about the Go, right? Uh, I love that portable nature of it. It's just so easy to use. I love the fact I have, I often, um, at least once a week, probably two or three times a week at least, I'm having meetings in the Oculus Go, which I find are awesome and convenient. I mean, I can I could be meeting with you in the Go within 30 seconds. If you said, Chris, let's meet in the Go. You text me, let's meet in the Go. In 30 seconds, we're face-to-face as avatars. I think that's pretty bitching. Hmm. Yeah, that is that is super interesting. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like um, there's definitely advantages there. There's definitely advantages. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely I'm going to tell you right now I'm biased. I'm biased towards the more high end experiences because I want the metaverse already. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to see some super creative stuff, though, with the Quest. I mean, uh, I'm all about warehouse scale, you know, uh, arena scale stuff. And I'm super excited about where the location based VR stuff is going. I mean, we're seeing some really awesome creative yes. experiences in this. I'll tell you, this is what I would love to see. Um, I would love to see a space where you could go into, like, say, this bar, right? Maybe you have cap it off at 30 or 40 people and you go into this bar and you get issued a headset and when you put that headset on you know it's portable headsets a wireless headset and you get a random avatar assigned to you man it's like the ultimate masquerade party and maybe this is an hour-long experience where you're just out there having drinks and socializing and your and and the program has all these creative experiences happening within that space 
That would be so cool. The ultimate masquerade party, man. That would be incredible. How much do you think people would pay for this experience? How much would you charge for for this sort of experience? Dude, for a really killer hour-long yeah. experiences yeah. with drinks included and having all kinds of crazy stuff happen in that space? Yeah. I'd pay at least – I think you could get at least $60 if not more. I was going to say 100 Yeah, I, I I'd pay a hundred for a killer, unique experience like yeah. that, where they're integrating food in there and like the food that you're tasting and yeah, the doesn't match bit, the food man. in the real life. Yeah, I mean, I could see just so it, much shenanigans happening. It'd be it's even easy. better having like a, a photogrammetry type scan of the actual environment and then just go crazy from there. Have the ceiling split open and you know something crazy coming down through the ceiling and joining the crowd and. You know, maybe you have an alien invasion happen. <laughs> Scott, yeah. you know, whatever you want to have happen. And maybe you're rotating these different types of experience. Every month is a new experience. So you keep 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 people coming back. Maybe the the floor is on some sort of uh, some sort of like uh, mechanical arm or something. Oh, God, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Maybe, yeah, uh, mechanical arm like like. Like like a giant like an iron giant and 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 you're like on a platter. The room is like a platter, and he's yeah. carrying you around. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! People would freak. People would. It would be too much. It would be too much, and it would be amazing. And <laughs> it would be <laughs> <laughs> because um, I feel like places like Universal Studios and places like Disneyland are like are you know ten years ago it was great, but like. And twenty maybe twenty years ago it was great the the rides but like I went I don't know I I did a I did a ride like two years ago and um, at Universal Studios I did, I did a bunch of the rides and I just realized that I was like oh my god my VR setup is way more exciting than like eighty percent of the stuff I'm trying out here and this is like and this is like I'm talking about the Transformers experience I'm talking about the Simpsons the Harry Potter experience the stuff that they spent yeah. millions and millions of dollars marketing and you go there and it's a giant flaccid dick of a disappointment it's just i don't know what to tell you and i just and and if they were like if they really were like you know on their on top of their game they'd be like oh snaps we gotta call chris Matson right now and figure out how we can get ourselves uh, see <laughs> a hold you of just mechanical gave, arms <laughs> what you're telling me chris is your brain has been rewired hasn't it by vr yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it has. It has. So is mine. Dude, I, I, in some ways I feel bad because um, I was a huge, you know, gamer, uh, right? The Witcher series. Yes. Uh, the Thief. Oh, God, I was a huge Thief fan, the Thief series. Um, uh, anyway, um, and I go back and I try to play these games and I love these games and I love the franchises and they're so awesome. My brain's so rewired, man. I just can't do it on a 2D screen anymore and I feel mm-hmm. bad about that, but the nature of it <laughs> you see yourself playing the witcher 3 in vr and interacting with those npcs like do you like absolutely that, yeah absolutely yes they if one thing they got right was that sort of like um what this was sort of this uh, realism this really like uh playful and canniness to the npcs that that game had yeah yeah I, I, I would, would love spend. that. That would be a dream come true, wouldn't it? Yeah, I would spend too much time in there. <laughs> ah, exactly. Because <laughs> Skyrim was great. Skyrim was awesome, but it was just a little too, 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 too gray for me. I don't know. It was, it was a little. How know. much mod? How much modding did you put into it? I played it on the PSVR, so zero uh, modding. I should. I'm, I modded I'm, the. I'm I modded the hell out of it, man. Oh, yeah. And, I was super impressed. Oh my god! Super what, impressed. Okay, 
all right, well, it seems like I have a mission. <laughs> Get myself. It, it, it's a deep dive, my friend. It's going to suck a lot of time. It's so such a pain in the butt to mod that thing the way you need it to. Uh, but I probably sucked 12 hours just into the modding process. But the payoff was pretty spectacular. What's your most memorable Skyrim VR moment of all time? That you're like, yep, that's it. I'm, I reached peak, peak v- Skyrim. For me... Dude, it, honestly, <laughs> if you had a camera on me, it'd be embarrassing, man. I just like walk into these different nature moments, right? Where you're just out in a field or it's nighttime and the fog is rolling in through the pine trees. And, you know, with these mods, it looks absolutely spectacular. I swear, dude, I just like lay down on my floor for like 20 minutes and just just soak in the atmosphere. I'm just in awe. It's so beautiful so any of those nature moments for me like the highlights for me in skyrim you know watching the sunrise or you know watching laying under the stars you got this gorgeous nebula you know and the fog rolling in and the 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 streams with the salmon jumping upstream you know it's just so immersive and so beautiful i wonder if you can gamify gamify hiking in vr like some sort of hiking game where you have some like some sort of stamina meter and you got to like uh-huh. forage and collect berries and stuff to like not die. I don't know. Oh, God, that sounds like the forest. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played the forest. Is it? Have you? Have you? Is it good? I, ha- I have. It's insane. It's scary. It's uh, it's so fun to play with other people. Right. Go in with a friend. I'll go in with you. You tell me when you want to go in the forest. I'm down. OK. It's, yeah. it's terrifying, man. Yeah, no, going into dungeons and stuff with other people. Okay, so the last time, honestly, the last time I did a a scary VR experience was with Dreadhalls back in the DK1. Still one of the scariest. Yep. Honestly. And I stopped that I was like, I'm not, this is it. I mean, I figured like if there was like a a, a dialectic happening in my mind in, uh, in terms of like what I liked, what I didn't, like horror is not what I like. I am not a horror person you know <laughs> did you did you scream yeah dude yeah oh my me god too. Yes. me too multiple times and you know what and i but 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 i pushed myself to get through the whole maze and i got through it and i and oh it was congratulations huge, it was a huge rush but after that i put down the headset and i just retired i retired from horror experiences i'm not a horror person um I'm a, a, and so I'm more of a, yeah, I'm more of a, I'm more of a whore, more like a VR porn <laughs> kind of person. <laughs> and and here's the thing, and for me, like when I ask you that question, where like, uh, you know, do you encounter a category person that like doesn't like VR or, or immediately just isn't? I haven't encountered that person honestly because my secret weapon is, I just say, when the moment people start like doubting a little bit about VR, like. I was at a wedding like a, a couple of weeks ago, and maybe, and maybe it was the audience. I don't know if I don't know if I would have the same. I don't know if I would have the same reception from like a grandma type, but the, but this dude was like, "Yeah, is VR still around?" And I'm like, "Dude, the porn is amazing." And he and he immediately his ears perked up, and he immediately wanted to find out like, so what is happening? What are people? What is what is what is the technology capable of right now? And you know, yeah, I think. I think it's it's it, uh, that's been my secret weapon. But how did I well, even get here? Well, oh, here, here's yeah. the here's the thing, uh, Chris. Is um, I 
there's something for everybody now, yes. I think, in VR. So it's finding the right thing for the right person, yes. honestly. So, you know, going back to my dad, who just won't even, he has never put on a headset because he's just terrified of losing control. I think I, he, he in his younger life, uh, he was a marksman. So I think I think the answer for him is going to be horseshoes, hot dogs, and hand grenades from Anton. I think I, I'm going to do this, man, and you need to check back with me. I mm-hmm. think that's the key to him. If I can get him in a shooting range in VR, Ooh. I might have him. I might have yeah. him. Yeah. What do you think about like um, uh, more peripherals for like VR headsets? So not like not just guns, but like you know musical instruments. Um, like I, it'd be amazing if you could bring in your, some sort of like, uh, some sort of like guitar, electronic guitar, like not guitar hero, because I remember, here's the thing about guitar hero. Like I love the shit out of it, but then I realized I spent so many hours getting good at it. And I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I had, and I had the realization that if I had, if I had spent more time on an actual guitar, like you would have been awesome. Yes. Yes. And so I'm talking about like bringing simulation training to get to musical instruments now. Like that would I would be- love that. That would be so awesome. Yeah. We yeah, I'd love to see that happen. Yeah, it's just it's just it's so, things are so early still. We're still taking baby steps in the industry, aren't we? It is still early. Very early. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a way it, it almost still feels like we're, you know, I, I think VR is great right now, and I think it's totally passable now, like I said earlier. But we're still kind of like in a development kit phase in a way, right? Yeah. Is it going fast enough for you, or is it going just right at, at the pace that it's evolving? I think it's – I feel like it's going fast. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I think it's going pretty fast. I do. Um, you know – I look at – and maybe I feel that way, though, because I'm so freaking into the whole Twitter thing, so I'm seeing the latest of everything that's going on. There's so much innovation that hasn't been incorporated yet, but we know it is going to be incorporated, and it is feasible today. It's just a matter of going through the steps to make it happen. Um, so I guess I see how quickly it is going to iterate over the next few years that makes me feel that way. Um, but look, at we're going wireless. I mean – I don't know about you, but I didn't think we would be totally wireless coming up here in the next few months with the focus and 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 the quest and all of this. I'm pretty happy about that. Hmm. Yeah, wireless is a big step. I mean, yeah, it's 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 huge. I mean, what's next? Eye eye tracking, voice. Eye tracking is definitely coming very soon, right? I mean, it's already we we've you probably tried an eye tracking headset. I know I have. It's here. Would you rather have higher resolution in a headset or wireless? Yeah, yeah, that's such a tough question to answer. Uh, this is why you're in the NRVR podcast. Wire, I'm going to go wireless. Yeah? Because, and I'll tell you why. Because you can have some pretty freaking amazing experiences without all the graphics in VR. Take Windlands. Windlands is not a graphically intensive game, but it's a lot of fun. You can have a strong sense of presence without having spectacular graphics. 
I love the freedom. Come on, man. It's like once you get past that sixth or seventh step in a wireless headset, your brain's locked in, man. Your brain is locked into VR. It's like that's a strong sense of presence when you <laughs> when you can walk around to that extent, right? I mean, am I wrong? No, you're right. But there's a part of me deep inside of me that just wants more, like more pixels, more resolution, more clarity, cross cross the uncanny valley already T- take me to another reality like that's 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 the deep 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 inside of me that's what i want and and trick my eyes into believing that like make me think that the moment i take off the the headset I, i'll be like holy shit i can't tell yeah. the difference that realization i'm, I'm I, that's it's, the, that's a drug i'm chasing i want it's all it's all super important right now let's throw in field of view in there too right would you rather have the wider field of view the the graphics or the wireless you know there's those are three biggies right Right there. Yeah, I mean, why can't we have them all? But I would choose if I had to choose um, the resolution. Just uh, yeah. Okay, so so when you're game, look, so when you're gaming, you're you're in a headset, you're gaming. What hits you the most? The what hits your mind the most? Is it oh shit, I got these wires tangled around my leg, I've got limits here, or is it these graphics just aren't cutting it, oh, or is it door. a like, damn field of view? Yeah, I'm is it is it the screen door yeah, for you? Yeah, is yeah. that the most okay? Yeah, yeah. my God. Well, it sounds like door. you're in line for the new Samsung Odyssey Plus, right? I've heard mm-hmm. some awesome things about that screen door being eliminated with that. Really? With the Samsung Odyssey Plus, the new one, they've got that technology in there. That the whole purpose of that is to eliminate that screen door, and early reports from hands-on users are saying it's freaking awesome. Give me that panel. Give me that headset with Vive tracking, mm-hmm. tracking, and you got a winner. You got yourself. There a you winner. go. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I'll buy that right now. <laughs> yeah, but like it seems like um, it. Why? Yeah, it seems like. I hope Microsoft is thinking about like how they're going to iterate on the on the tracking of their mixed reality headsets because it's a big. It's hard. It's yeah. not. It, it's not. It's it can be overlooked at, but the more and more and more you realize, the more you're like, dude, I want yeah. better. This can be better. Well, yeah. If if you've got a three camera rip sense sense uh, system with touch and you've got the Vive controllers, it is a struggle to use the Windows mixed reality hand hand controllers, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they're great. Pa- like the 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 panels are great. They look they look pretty crisp, but but the controllers is just yeah. The losing of the tracking is weird. It's not it's not acceptable. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna start bringing things down to a close. I have a question for you that I like. Yes. That I, it's a theme. It's in this podcast. I'm gonna start asking, and, and we sort of talked about it a second ago uh, before I hit record, where I mentioned that this is this podcast. Um, the, one of the biggest reasons why I started doing it was because I asked myself that question. Or I wanted to answer that question where in 20 years from now, I'm going to ask or we're all going to ask, what were we thinking? <laughs> or what, what were the people at the, at the epicenter of virtual reality? What were they thinking? You know, what motivations, what fears, what sort of you know, things were in their minds? And, and, so, and so with that being said... Um, in the year 2038, you're going to get an email from me and it's going to say, Chris, this is the message from 2018 that you sent mm. to yourself. Mm-hmm. So, so, so yeah, so I, I leave the door, the floor open to you. Send yourself a message 20 years in the future. Chris, keep yourself balanced with the real world. 
<laughs> you know, keep one foot in the real world. I think balance is so important. Um, I've thought a lot about this recently. You know, um, I've, I've tried to spend a lot of time this summer uh, spending my weekends outdoors, hiking and, and appreciating the natural world uh, because I've, I spend a lot of time in virtual reality. And I just think it's important that we stay balanced and stay aware um, that we have multiple realities now that we need to take care of and, and not to leave the real world behind in that. And, and let's, let, let's keep that balance there. Yeah. That's, that's my advice. Let me ask you this. I, I, I'm sorry, but like, I need to ask you this because this mm-hmm. is an amazing opportunity. Like, how do you know whether someone is not having a balanced virtual reality slash reality life? Like, how do you know whether someone needs an intervention? <laughs> so <to speak. laughs> Okay, well... With virtual reality, yeah. So, with first, I, I don't know if it, how much I distinguish between virtual reality or just electronic... Um, um, it's electronic... I call it electronic addiction, right? We can go too far. Uh, mm-hmm. We are in a, a digital world now, and that's not going to go away. Um, and this is a new thing for the human species, right? We've never had anything like this. We, we don't know. This is all like some big experiment of how this is going to affect us individually and socially. And um, I see my own brain getting rewired. And I think what you're looking for, if, you, if someone's got an issue, if they've lost that balance, they're neglecting things that are important in their life, whether it's socially or just the ability – to um, be independent. Um, if you're dependent on others for your survival because of your use of technology, that's a big deal. You've got to be able to sustain yourself. And I know a lot of people, you know, I've worked in the mental health field, you know this. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some people that are addicted to technology to the point where they, honest to God, cannot function in the real world. They've dropped out of school. They're not holding down a job. They're pissing in bottles. I know that's joked about. We've seen the South Park episodes, but I kid you not, that is a reality. I know clients and people that have done this. Uh, It can get too much. Uh, So if you can't function, if you can't sustain yourself, if you have to be dependent on others for your survival because you're addicted to gaming or technology it's gone too far man you got to get that balance back yeah who's yeah how and how does and what do what responsibilities do developers have what will they have at all if 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 at all when it comes to like when it comes to the idea that like we're creating experiences that are meant to keep people there like the question that you know this is the question that we keep always we always ask ourselves is like how do we create experiences that keep people yeah. coming back how do yeah. we create experiences that keep people coming back and so we we go into virtual reality and into this future while at the same time we have to ask ourselves well how do we like also you know push people a little bit back back from it you know at the same time while we're pulling them in and so it's interesting like yeah, how we're going to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. And and I'm glad you bring that up because I, I should backtrack a little bit and say it's not the technology. It's the experiences of the te- within the technology that can be the problem, right? Um, and, you know, when you're develop- when you're using 
like principles that surround like gambling loot boxes for example we know that those have been that concept has been banned in some countries it's been a really big deal this is the same principles uh, that casinos use for slot machines and things like that we know how the brain works and we're we're purposefully creating experiences that tap into that part of the brain that create addiction that's they're developing it specifically to cause that effect on the human brain. That's when I think it's gone too far. It's intent, right? Some development companies or people are developing with intent to create addiction. And that's a line that I think shouldn't be crossed. I think that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, because what's the... But then then I'm, 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 I'm thinking about like, well, what's the... What's the line between something that is a fully like not i don't want to say ill-willed but like just like gray area (laughs) intentions sort of morality casino experience that is designed to keep people hooked right versus versus someone who creates like oh well this is a candy crush this isn't this isn't a casino but but it has the 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 um element of the casino experience, but it's in a, another in another form. Right. Again, I think it comes down to intent. Like with Candy Crush, um, just God, we just need to have this awareness of how fragile the freaking brain is. It's so fragile and so easy to manipulate, man. And we just have to be aware of that going into these experiences, man. Like, honest to God, when I was going to college, I purposefully chose not to play certain games. Uh, especially social-based, like EverQuest and things like this, because I knew myself and I knew that I had the potential for addiction in those sorts of things. So I think it's it, the more important thing is knowing ourselves, knowing how we respond to these sorts of things, and then acting accordingly. And so I purposely did not get involved in those types of games for a long time because I knew the potential uh, that it would throw me out of balance. Yeah, and unfortunately, some people are going to learn the hard way. Because they are, they're they are still because they're figuring themselves out. They don't know, <laughs> and that's okay. And 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 hopefully, hopefully, we've got friends around us that can call us on that and say, you know, uh, you might be getting a little out of balance here. I noticed this. <laughs> yeah, and also in the in in and how does that also like play into the vision that maybe the metaverse or the, this virtual reality industry, whatever it becomes will be sort of this um, this alternate reality where you have alternate economies where mm-hmm. you have, you know, um, like I, I, when I did the 100-hour project, I, I realized that I could actually live inside the headset right then right. and there. Like I could right. order pizza with Skype. I could yeah. like do I could do my taxes. I could do everything inside the headset without ever taking off. And it was weird because that was two years ago. And we're going to a place in a, I think we're going in a direction where it's, that's going to be easier and easier and, and easier. And you know what? If you could do that and sustain yourself and be happy, go for it. Hmm. Why not? Yeah. It's, it's your life, man. If you're happy and you don't have to depend on others to support that lifestyle, then why not? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, and yeah, people are going to be, there's going to be some sort of cultural dialogue. That's gonna yeah, but, but, if yeah. We all, but if we all choose to do that all the time, how does that impact our real world? 
Hmm. Who's going to be here to take care of that? How does that happen? Yeah, because it's yeah, because we're we're creating something. VR is being created to be amazing all the time. Mm-hmm. How can reality ever compete with this? Yeah. So well, thank God it still can. I mean, here's one unique thing. I will say this: virtual reality has made me appreciate the real world more. When I go out into nature, I notice the finer details of nature, and I think that's because when I'm in VR, I'm always comparing it to reality. Like, oh, that sunlight's not looking quite right, or oh, wow, look at those shadows. That's really cool. Um, So, paying attention to how reality is presented in virtual reality has made me more hypersensitive to reality, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's weird because we know that VR can rewire the brain here. We know that we can um, perhaps engineer or create the intent that uh, towards experiences that, that, that will make people be more, um, yeah, exactly, appreciative of nature. Maybe like, you know, this hiking VR simulator is actually just that something that'll give get you out there into the real world you know um better quit with like because i remember i went hiking once and i was and i was and we almost got lost my girlfriend and i and it was really scary and i and it, had i had some sort of like simu- simulator where like someone would be like a guide and show me like some sort of like hiking tips and how to like look at a compass and how to tell time based on the sun like weird stuff like that that you can get on a personal level that would be amazing again VR can get anywhere. It can be anywhere, really. Uh, it's yep. just a matter of your imagination. Chris, how do keep? How do I get? Um, how do people stay in touch? How do people follow with, with all the things you're doing? Um, by the way, I have conclusively concluded that you, sir, are a true scholar and gentleman of virtual reality, and that has always been known. Um, but just wanted to state that really quick. Um, and yeah, how can people stay in touch? Um, best way, honestly, is my uh, Twitter feed. Um, it's uh, Chris Madsen at deep underscore rifter, deep underscore rifter. Awesome. And um, is there anything do you like to leave the audience with before we close things off? Oh, man. Explore. Explore in VR. There's so many awesome experiences, thousands of experiences. Dive in, man. Explore. Uh, There's something for everybody. Get in there. Share with your friends. You know, the only way we're going to get faster adoption is hands-on. That's the unique thing about VR. Just talking about it is not going to sell it. you got to get a headset on people, and then they get it. Uh, We need everybody trying it. Awesome. And uh, with that being said, Chris, thanks so much for your time. You bet, Chris. Thank you so much. And I'll see you in the metaverse, my friend.